guys can go ahead and open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Also, if you have a journal to take notes, I encourage you to do so. If you didn't bring a journal, you can always use your phone. It's a useful little app in there on, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like the notebook app. You can always take notes. I encourage you guys to take notes of whoever is teaching because it's how you take the word, right? And you carry it through your week because you can listen. You can be attentive. You're only going to remember it probably until the end of tonight. And then by the time you wake up tomorrow, it's like, boop, gone. So I encourage you guys to take notes. If you didn't bring a journal, that's fine. Just use your phone, whatever you got to do to take notes. All right. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be going through verses 1 through 5. I know, ambitious. Five verses in one night. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'll go ahead and read it, and then we'll jump in prayer to start off our night. I charge you. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So, Father, I just pray for all of us in here, Lord. And as you spoke to me, and Lord, as I looked at your word as a mirror, and I saw the things that I didn't want to see, Lord, but that's how I can be changed. I pray all of us here tonight would look at your word as a mirror, Lord, so that we can see what needs to change. So we can see how we need to grow. And Father, that your word would be a sword, Lord, that cuts to the heart, that can cut past the lies that we may believe walking in here. Maybe a false view of ourselves or just lies that the enemy convinced us to be true. Let's pray that your word would just resonate in all of our hearts tonight and that it would build our faith so we can walk away transformed. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. So the title for tonight is How to Be Faithful in Your Ministry. The title is How to Be Faithful in Your Ministry. You see, as we come to the end of 2 Timothy, right? 2 Timothy, Paul's last words. We're coming to the end of Paul's ministry. And Paul's handing the torch off, right, to Timothy. So here is Paul's last ministry charge to Timothy. His last, you could say, commands for Timothy. His last command to anyone in the church that we know of, or at least are recorded. Now, how to be faithful in your ministry. A lot of us in here don't think that we're ministers, or a lot of us have a view of a minister as someone who works for a church on a church salary. It's not true. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a minister. A minister means those chosen by God to serve him and his people in a variety of ways. There's no limit to different ways you can minister to others, right? A lot of times it's viewed, uh, oh, if I'm not teaching, if I'm not on worship, then I'm not a minister. If you love God, if you love 
his people, and you serve him. And thus you are a minister. Your job is a ministry. You may work a secular job. It's ministry. That is your opportunity to serve. I work on a cattle ranch. I minister, right, to my supervisor with diligence and integrity in my work. I serve other people because I, you know, we sell beef, right? People eat beef. I am serving. I'm a part of that process of serving and ministering to other people what they eat, right? But also, we are all, we're all ministers, right, in our homes, in our jobs, in our schools. And at home, I am a minister to my wife by giving her the attention that she needs, right? By, well, providing the food that she needs to eat, right? As a man, you, we all minister everywhere we go, right? There's no limit to it. It's a very broad term. It's, it could be used for a lot of different areas. So how can we be faithful to the ministry that God has called us to? Mm-hmm. By being honest, by being faithful to his word, right? By fulfilling the ministry he's called us to. You see, ultimately, my computer's doing weird things. Ultimately, Christ charges us to be faithful to and fulfill the ministry that he's called us to. So, how can we be faithful in our ministry? By giving others the word. You may feel like I don't have anything to give other people. I don't know how to serve other people. Well, you have the word, right? It is given to you. You always have the word. It is you can give the word to others and let's serve them. How can you give the word to others, you might ask? Well, you could speak it, first of all. You could actually, you know, speak the truth of the word to someone else and thus serve the needs that they have. You could also live the word like a pop-up book, right? The truth of scripture in your life. Is it a pop-up book for other people to see and thus they can be refreshed by your life? So you can give the word by speaking it out and by living it out. So point number one, let's jump right into it. Point number one, write it down. To be faithful in your ministry, you must speak the word. To be faithful in your ministry, speak the word. We're going to read verses one through two. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, what I think is interesting here is Paul makes a lot of like, I charge you, therefore, right? Like Paul says, like, Timothy, I charge you. I command you to do this. And what's interesting about this charge is that it's like the longest. He says, I charge you by, right? He's, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. So it's kind of like, it's like, I command you in the pre presence of like Christ Jesus and God, who's the judge. And it's kind of like a long description, right? Cause it's setting up for what is his final charge, right? This is usually, so we, like when you're speaking, right? If you guys ever like publicly spoke or just in general, if you're like in debate class, you always save your like best for last, right? It's like kind of like typical, like if you're, um, if you're like talent show, right? In like class, it's usually like, they'd like save the best for last, right? So Paul, this is his final charge and he's 
I mean, he's like full guns blazing. So it's important. And what is this charge? To preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So let's look at those. First, to preach the word. So the Greek language here insinuates, the language here uses like to be a herald. To preach the word means to be a herald. You know, like um, if you guys ever watched a Disney movie and those guys that like when the princess is coming and there's all the guys with the trumpet ears like, you know, like they're announcing the coming, right? A herald. And this, this word here, preach the word, always carries with it a tone of gravity and authority. It always carries with it an intense, burn it in a way, and full authority. Christ has given you full authority to preach the word. To who? You notice it doesn't say to any one person specifically. Why? Because you're to preach the word. That is the charge to us tonight. Preach the word. You have been given authority. You do not need to wait for permission. You don't need permission to ever preach the word to someone else. Not to be preachy. That's not what I'm saying. But to share the word with someone else. You never need to earn that, right? You don't have to wait until like, well, I feel like I've done enough now. Like, right. You're commanded. You're charged. Therefore, preach the word to believers. Preach the word to believers. Share the word with unbelievers. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Verses 18 through 20. You can just jot it down if you want to read it later. Jesus said to them, being the disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Share the word to minister to others and serve them by sharing the word. You don't have to wait for like the perfect, for like the perfect setting. If someone's struggling, you can give them a word of encouragement. It doesn't matter how well you might know them. With your, if at work, right, your coworkers aren't believers, you can share them the good news, right? And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But preach the word. Second is always be ready, right? Be ready in season and out of season. Always ready. One of the greatest struggles I personally have as a Christian is the fact that I could never turn off being a Christian. Because I always do. I work like a long, hard day, right? It's like by like Wednesday, Thursday, I like get home after like work. And I'm just like, I just want to like lay on the couch and like just sleep and basically just wake up the next day. And like, I don't want to minister to my wife. I do, but I don't have, I'm just like, oh, like, you know, like super abundance joy. And I'm just like, oh, like honey, you know, like here, how can I serve you today? Here, let me mow the lawn. Let me do the dishes. Let me, you know, cook. It's no, that's not how I feel, right? Well, mm-hmm. 
maybe. You have to ask her, though. Um, as Christians, we can never turn off. And this is what I struggle with so much, is that this amount of Christianity I put forward here is the same amount it should be tomorrow morning when, I don't, when I'm tired and I don't want to be at work, right? It's the same amount. Be ready in season and out of season. You're, I should be just as much as a Christian right now than on Friday night, then in Wednesday when it's the middle of the week and I'm tired, when I'm at work, when I'm at home. It doesn't, it shouldn't change. And yet it does with me so much and it's such a struggle. And the, tr- the secret to it is I struggle being in the word in the midst of it. I can be in the word on Sunday. I hear, you know, a sermon and I take notes and, and even for this, I've been preparing for a teaching, but if I'm not in the word Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then, you know, oh, I'll serve if I have the energy to, you know, I'll serve if it's convenient, you know, if it just so happens to serve my wife to at work, if I continue the integrity, if I work hard. So speak the word and be ready to speak the word. Be a Christian at all times. The same amount that you give here doesn't match the rest of your week. And third, third way we can speak the word is by reproving, rebuking, and or exhorting with complete patience and teaching. So when I have Jordan come up, I told you it was happening, Jordan. Come on. <laughs> Should I move the table so you're right, like front and center? <laughs> so you can go ahead and hold the squat. Hold the squat. Am I am I in the camera? I don't know if you want to be in the camera. Okay. So Three words here, right? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. What do they mean? Right? Because they all sound the same. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. It's just kind of like sometimes when you see these lists, you just kind of like bleh, and you just like skim through it, right? But each of these words carry a significance. Now, imagine for a second, I am a trainer, right? And no, <laughs> imagine I am Jordan's trainer, right? Jordan wants to work out. He starts working out. He's doing good, but he hates leg day. And he despises leg day, right? So he skips it all the time, right? I'm not saying this as just, you know, I'm just like, for example, right? Role playing here. Now, as a trainer, bro, (laughs) no, don't stand up. Hold the squat. Get off you. As a trainer, if I know Jordan is skipping out on leg day, what do I do? Do I just let him skip leg day every single week? Because he wants to. No, I don't, right? I would, in Christianese, reprove him. If you guys have New King James, the word is convince. I convince Jordan. I reprove him. Hey, you have to work out your legs if you want a balanced body. You can't just skip out leg day because everyone knows you skip on leg day. You're not even holding the spot anymore. What <laughs> <laughs> you expected me? <laughs> so you, I have to convince Jordan that he needs to do leg day, right? Because if I just let him skip, it's going to be obvious when he's like, when he's got like the body of Alexis, but his legs are like like twigs coming out underneath, right? So I need to reprove him 
And the word reprove can be defined as a means to convict or to correct by word or by deed. Right? Now, in another context, so what does this look like outside of squat, right? When your friend tells him, oh, I'm not really praying. Well, why not? Right? You give him the word, right? You, when your friend says, I'm not praying, and you're just kind of like, oh, like, oh, well, like, you know, that's just a struggle every Christian has. And you just like sweep it under the rug. That's not loving, right? Speak the word in truth to reprove them. To con- Not you're trying to convict them hard, but you just share the word. Hey, man, this is the importance of prayer in the scripture. And you go through it. Hey, like, this is important. Now, that's reproof. Now, what about rebuke? Oh, squat. Come on. You're just squatting awkwardly. <laughs> there you go. thing is awkward. Hold a squat, right? Hold a squat. Now, if Jordan doesn't have form in his squat and I'm his trainer, what do I do? Do I let him do that? Do I let this slide? No, I... Christianese term, I rebuke him. Now, rebuke defined is to admonish sharply or a serious charge to a person. Jordan, you need the whole of good squat. Otherwise, it's not like your workout's worthless if you're not doing it right. So, Jordan, get up. You should, right, 90 degrees. Here, hold this water bottle on your legs. <laughs> hold the water. You gotta add weight to it. So, and elbows off, right? So you, you're rebuking, you're charging him. <laughs> so a rebuke, right? And rebuking is so hard in the church. You don't see it a lot because it's so easy to not want to offend the other person, right? Because I don't want to offend you by telling him, like, you know, your form stinks. Like, this is how you hold a squat, right? But I need to. And as Christians, when we see each other struggling, not like rebuke, like, oh, you know, um, like if a Christian like says a joke, you're not just like your mouth defiles your ministry. And you're just like up in their face like crazy, you know. But with the word, do you admonish them? Hey, man, like I don't think you should be making jokes like that. Do you just let it slide? Do you get up in their face all crazy? Or do you use the word and charge them to live for hire? So... My work hours changed and I was struggling to read every morning and I was talking to my wife and she told me I quit reading the word. And I was like, like, why haven't you been in your devos as much? She's like, because like you stopped being your devos and I follow your example. <sighs> right. That's a rebuke, but that's needed. Otherwise I would have just continued. But when we receive a rebuke and you hear it, you can be changed. You're not done yet. All right. The last word, the last word, and I'll make this quick, is exhort, right? So the definition of to exhort is to speak to someone in a way of comfort, entreaty, or instruction. And it carries with it a sense of strengthening. So you're strengthening that person when you exhort them to something. So if I exhort Jordan to hold a squat, there's two ways I can do it, right? I can just be like, you got this, Jordan. Good job. Squat. Yeah, hold a squat. I do like five seconds. Right, I can say, good job, Jordan. You got this. Is that helpful to you? How much does that help you? Not really, right? But the difference is, if I come alongside Jordan, 
And I decide to hold a squat with them and say, hey, Jordan, let's get this. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. The rest of the teaching right here, duck walk everywhere we go. Right? Right? But if I come alongside Jordan, if you weren't as tired after, you know, holding a squat for like five minutes. Yeah. But I can encourage Jordan being like, yeah, good job. You know, you got this, Jordan. Hold this or I can come alongside Jordan and exhort him to hold, right? There's a difference. A lot of Christians love encouraging. It's easy. You can just, if you see a brother struggling, you can just say, hey, here's this word, you know, trust the Lord, brother. And you can move on your merry way. Or you can do the hard work and you come alongside that person. Right? You can cry with that person. You can labor in prayer for that person. You can actually take time out of your day to fast and pray for that person. Or you can do the easy thing that I love doing because it's so easy and it takes no effort. You know, just, oh, here's this verse. You know, you're done. You're good. Yeah, you're, you're free. I release you. Right? But that's the difference because I don't want to hold a squat with Jordan. I would be easily just like, you got this, you know, from, a, from the sideline. Or I could do the hard work and exhort him by strengthening him by walking it through with him, right? So there's the difference. Hebrews 3 says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We are to exhort one another daily. That involves community. Speaking the word, not just like, you know, oh, I just gave you an encouraging verse. That's it. I'll just kind of pray with you here on Sunday. And then I just like won't even remember praying for you throughout the week. But exhorting involves so much more. And it's all out of love, right? Through the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. With all patience and teaching. Is that the, are those the words that come out of our mouth? Are we exhorting one another? While it's still called today. I mean, he said, the writer of Hebrews said, exhort one another every day. Because I know I don't. I can send the text of a, an encouragement. I can just say, oh, how was your day? And then not actually mean it when I ask it. But all these things must be done in the word, grounded in the word, because without the word as a base for your rebuke, for your reproof, for your exhortation, if the word isn't the base of it, then you're going to run in all sorts of trouble. And this is going to lead us straight into our next point. So this is the second point for tonight. And I only have two points for tonight. To be faithful in your ministry, live out the word. To be faithful in your ministry, live out the word. We're going to read verses 3, 4, and 5. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you... Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The reason why Paul tells Timothy you have to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. You have to rebuke people. You have to reprove them. You have to exhort them. Is because these people were going to leave the church, right? They 
stirred by their own passions, were going to abandon the church, abandon the God of the Bible, abandon Jesus Christ for what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear an easy gospel, a gospel that brought all sorts of blessings to them without the hardship. A gospel that sounded easy and not challenging. And that's why we have to exhort one another, rebuke one another with the word and love. Because I have seen so many Christians wander off. I've seen so many Christians I would be out doing ministry with who aren't walking with Christ anymore. And I did, I did nothing when I saw them slipping. After I watched friend after friend after friend leave the faith, and I saw a close friend of mine starting to do so too, I made the decision to give it my all. So I'd go to his house. I would share with him the word. I would ask him, what's up? We would get real. He still fell away. But at the end of the day, I can say, God, I tried. I gave him what I knew. I gave him your word. This world is pulling, plucking people left and right. And that's why we need to speak to word. But as the second point I just said, that's why we also have to live out the word. Because when we speak the word, when you live it out, it fortifies that authority. To be faithful in the ministry God calls you to means you must speak the word to believers and unbelievers. And it also means you must live it out. Now, People are falling left and right in the church now. And this world tells you one way to live. Follow your heart, right? Follow your passions. But as for you, C&C group, in verse 5, but as for you, C&C group, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. And fulfill your ministry. Now, always being sober-minded means to be calm and collected in spirit. So as you rebuke and exhort others with the word, it must be done so with sober-mindedness. Not just like a wild fling of passion. You're just like screaming at people, right? Because, I mean, people do that. And, you know, it doesn't go that well, right? Another way of saying this is to be, another way of saying sober-minded is to be watchful, right? So on our honeymoon my wife and I, we faced something that I didn't think was even like allowed on the honeymoon. The first, uh, I don't remember when it was, at one night during the honeymoon, we it was just we were in a weird funk, right? Like we weren't getting along. Things were like uber emotional, and I just understand what was happening, and I couldn't go to bed, and I was like awake for almost all night, and then all of a sudden it just clicked. There's something else here. Because the words that were coming out of her mouth and my mouth, I was like, what is going on? And we were, we had this weird emotional, almost drive that was saying things that were hurt. And we just couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. And then it occurred to me, we're under attack. It took me hours. Right? It took me hours to figure that out. But then I realized it, right? Are we watchful? Because even your emotions can betray you. 
even when you you get intense feelings of like, oh, this is the right thing. I'm going to do it. Are you practicing sober mindedness and watchfulness? Because the best arrows the enemy will use, the most effective arrows the enemy will use in the church are Christians. And the words Christians say the most destructive by far. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So even now the enemy wants to prevent the word from penetrating your heart right now. Your flesh right now wants you to daydream, to think about your tomorrow, to think about your weekend, or drift you off into sleep. The world right now wants your phone to blow up with as many notifications as it can to prevent you from hearing the word. It's happening right now. It doesn't happen when you leave. It happens now and when you leave, right? Are you sober-minded? Are you watchful in listening? Are you aware of Endure suffering. So suffering is something I'm generally more unfamiliar with. I mean, people always like compare the suffering, right? And I feel like it's something that I don't have a lot of room to speak into. But if you guys um, continue praying for Pastor Ed, if you guys know Pastor Ed, um, Pastor Ed and, and Chad's uh Chad and his family's sister have been going through a lot since November. Um, and I, for the last, I don't know how long ago November was, seven months, eight months ago, for, for the better part of almost a year now, I've been watching someone experience suffering every Sunday. And I've watched Pastor Ed change in his teachings. It's a weird thing that, I can just see how his teaching has changed as he's enduring suffering. And I watch him being purified. And I know one thing is that I have a role model because I've seen someone walk through it. I may not walk into anything like that, but as Paul says, it is through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of heaven. It's going to happen one day. And it's been amazing to watch someone trust God so much despite what's against them. Endure suffering. If you don't know how to do it, look for someone who has done it. And see what you can learn from them. If you're in the midst of suffering, look for someone who's already been through it. You can come alongside you and exhort you in it. Do, third, do the work of an evangelist. So an evangelist is defined as a bringer of good tidings. Good news, right? So we are called to do the work of an evangelist. Not necessarily we're all called to like go out to the mall and like evangelize street evangelism style, but in your workplace, in your home, are you doing the work in evangelist? And evangelism isn't just to unsaved people. You do the work in evangelist to your family. Bring the good news, encourage, exhort, right? Speak the word, live it out as an evangelist. Are you living out every step, everywhere you go and place your step? Is there good news coming? Right at my work, 
I've shared the gospel with a coworker and I start talking about, and I'm not just like, oh, you're a sinner and you need like to be saved. You're going to hell. Like Christ has done so much. Have you heard the stories of Jesus? And he was actually really uncomfortable. So I was talking to my coworker and I literally just like mentioned, I was like, oh, like, have you like been to church? And he's like, oh, I like, went a little bit. And I was like, oh, so like, do you like, you know about Jesus? And he like starts crying and it kind of made me uncomfortable. Cause he's like a really like macho, like Mexican dude. Like, I mean, he like swears like a sailor and like, you know, like super, like, like super hard. Right. And he like starts bawling and I was kind of like, Whoa, like I didn't see this coming. And he's like, yeah, every time I just like hear the stories, what he does for people, he's like, I hate it. I always cry. And I like can never stop. And I just, I was like, well, did you know that the stories he did for people is for you? Is that what you're bringing? Because there's been plenty of times where I bring my workplace, not the gospel, right? There's another time I was sharing with a different coworker, and I was trying to share about my testimony and like the things God's used me for. And I was, I thought like, oh yeah, if I share like all these experiences I had with Christ, maybe you'd be like, whoa, like that's really great. And he said these words and it stung me. It was a rebuke, right? The Holy Spirit rebuked me. He said, yeah, it sounds like you've done well for yourself. And that, that's when I, like, there's no glory to God in that. I glorified myself and it hurt. I actually shut up and I couldn't say anything because the spirit shut me up. Because I didn't bring good tidings. I brought self-glorification. I made myself look good instead of bringing something that's actually worth So bring the good news that brings joy. Don't bring yourself to your workplace, to your home. Do the work of an evangelist. Bring good tidings. Lastly, we'll wrap up and close here. Fulfill your ministry. So when you speak the word and when you live it out, you will fulfill your ministry because Christ has a different ministry for all of us in here, different workplaces, different families, different schools, different everything. You will fulfill your ministry when you speak the word and when your life, when people can look at your life and see it. Now, what does fulfilling your ministry look like? I'll read this verses six, seven, and eight. For I am all, this is, these are, this is Paul's words. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's what fulfilling your ministry looks like. So we fill our ministry by being faithful. Being faithful looks like speaking the word by preaching the word, by rebuking, by reproving, by exhorting, by being ready in season and out of season. We live it out by doing the work of an evangelist, by enduring suffering, and by being sober-minded. The challenge for this week, pray and look for an opportunity to speak the word to someone who needs it this week. Write it down for those of you who want to apply the word. Pray and look for an opportunity 
to speak the word to someone this week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight, and thank you for your word, Father, how you use it to minister to us, and thus we can minister to others, Lord. And it's all the work of your hand and by your Holy Spirit. And I just pray for an empowering um, for everyone in this room and who might be listening online. And empowering this week, Father, that we would go out and preach your word. That we would, that our lives, just the way that we live and work, Father, I pray that that in and of itself would speak the word. So, Father, I just pray for transformation in all of our hearts to grow and to learn and to grow to be more like you. So, I thank you, Father everything it is that you do. And in your son's name, I pray. Amen.